Hi, my name is Ernesto, and you are listening to Comments on the Catechism in a Year podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Live Lasting Memories. This is the comment section, so if you're looking to only read the catechism, you may go to livelastingmemories.com slash faith, where you will find that podcast. We are looking to learn more about the Catholic faith, how to apply these teachings to our daily life, and how to bring that message to others. Please subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe. Okay, let's get started. The prologue really sets the stage for the importance of this book, and I counted five golden nuggets of information that are useful and that I found impactful, so I'll share those with you today. But first, allow me to share a prologue to this podcast. I'll cover two points, why read the catechism and why bother with the comment section. As I mentioned in the audio introduction, this is my commentary section. I have a different podcast where I take painstaking care of reading you the catechism word for word. You can find that by going to livelastingmemories.com. Now, why read the catechism? Considering the amount of disinformation there is out there about the Catholic Church, there is a real need to clear away all the muddy waters and get clarity on what the Church really teaches. So. I invite you to, at the very least, get acquainted with the Catechism, because as this prologue mentions in paragraph 11, and it is a long sentence, so bear with me a moment, it aims at presenting an organic synthesis of the essential and fundamental content of Catholic doctrine as regard both faith and morals, in the light of the Second Vatican Council and the whole of the Church's tradition. What does all that mean? That if you read the Catechism, either front to back or use it as a reference, you will have in front of you what the church teaches and not what Joe Schmo down the street says about the Catholic faith just because he opened up a website last week. Therefore, in a sense, we're hearing it from the horse's mouth. And here's a simple exercise to illustrate my point. Do a simple search online on why we have the Eucharist or why confess our sins to a priest, or why pray to saints or to the Virgin Mary, and and so on. What you're going to find is a whole bunch of different people's opinion. Some hit the nail on the head. Some are way off. So how do you know what's what? Well, we've had the catechism at our disposal for years to answer these questions and not be misled by others. So let's use it. Whether the message is good or not, and I will venture to say the message can be challenging, but it's always good, at least we know we're not being misinformed. Now, some will argue that, no, 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 you don't need anyone to interpret the Bible for you. Okay, great point, but let's just look at one very important way of studying the Bible, and I'm talking about typology. Now, jumping ahead to paragraph 128 in the Catechism, and I'll I'll explain shortly why this is important. Here's what the Catechism says about typology. The Church, as early as apostolic times, and then constantly in her tradition, has illuminated the unity of the divine plan in the two testaments through typology, which discerns in God's works of the Old Covenant prefigurations of what He accomplished in the fullness of time in the person of his incarnate son. What this should say to us is that we can't fully understand or properly interpret, for that matter, the New Testament without knowing what the Old Testament says. Now, I can go in circles, but I think 
who said it best was Dr. Brent Petrie. Who, he is a professor of sacred scripture at the Notre Dame Seminary uh, from his book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Here, and I quote, Jesus of Nazareth was a Jew. He was born of a Jewish mother, received the Jewish sign of circumcision, and grew up in a Jewish town in Galilee. Now, I'm not going to quote the entire excerpt, but it goes on to say Jesus studied the Jewish Torah, preached in Jewish synagogues, celebrated Jewish feasts, went on pilgrimages to the Jewish temple, and he spoke to a Jewish audience in a Jewish context, and more and more and more. As Dr. Petrie mentions, for anyone interested in exploring the humanity of Jesus, especially the original meaning of his words and actions, a focus on his Jewish identity is absolutely necessary. So, why is this important? Because the Catechism is a collection of how the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the traditions dating back to the apostolic times come together. There, there is room for interpreting the Bible. Don't get me wrong. And we must be well read when it comes to Scripture. As the Catechism states in paragraph 133, ignorance of the Scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And we all know that the Bible is the living Word of God. But we must be careful when interpreting the Bible without considering the context, the traditions, and all that that implies. So how do we do that? Well, luckily, we have the Catechism, the great deposit of Catholic faith. It comes from many different councils, so it's a combination of many bishops' thoughts of what Jesus taught. Their understanding of the Church is referenced by teachings from the Church's fathers. In other words, we can trace these teachings not only all the way back to the Gospels, but to the teachings from the first disciples, the first bishops, and so on, who were there at the beginning while the Church was being expanded through the Roman Empire. Now, I would like to dive more into these people and learn more about them, but that, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. But, you know, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. John Chrysostom, St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, these and many other fathers are incredible people who were later recognized as saints by the church that understood not only Christian faith, but were able to marry it to Jewish tradition. And were able to connect the dots using typology and other forms of understanding the faith. Okay, now, why comment on the Catechism? As I read the Catechism, I'm overwhelmed with so many things that it mentions that I want to take a moment to point those out, hoping to share with you how you can put those ideas into practice and how we can share those ideas with others. But I will try my best to stay in the rails. I'm not going to add any perspective that I have not read either in the Catechism or know to be true about our Catholic faith. Having said that, please note, I am Catholic and I have taught Catechism for years in my local parish, but I am not a priest or a bishop. Okay, without further ado, here are the five points that struck me on the prologue. One, the intended reader is a bishop. This took me by surprise because I have been using the catechism for years, thinking that it was written for people like me. But it's clear here in paragraph 12 
that is primarily for a bishop. Scared me a little, but if you keep reading, you'll find that it's for all Christian faithful. Okay. And what's interesting about this is that we're not getting a watered-down version of what the bishops are learning. No, no, no. Available to us is the book itself intended for bishops and for us to understand God's message and what the church teaches. That's great news. Great news for us. Two, I think this one really hits home to what we're going through today. And that is moments of renewals calls for intense catechism, which means we have our work cut out for us. I mean, as you know, the church is under attack. I don't think it's difficult to understand this point, and we can open up a whole can of worms and even several podcasts on how it's under attack, but that's not our intended purpose. To stay on topic, keep in mind, as I mentioned before, that there are so many things on the internet that are misinformed and flat-out wrong and that can often mislead people about the Catholic faith. And they are misleading people. So add all that information, all that misinformation, to what's going on in our world today. And it's no wonder that so many people are leaving the church or find themselves as non-believers or non-affiliated, as Bishop Barron would call them, the nuns. Even many devout Catholics, they don't believe in what the church calls, and this comes from paragraph 1324, the source and summit of the Christian life. I get it. The Eucharist is a great mystery. But if we know how much Jesus emphasized the importance of the Eucharist and how this great mystery is concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New, we cannot dismiss it. I am, I'm tempted to go into the Eucharist, but let's save that for Part 2, Article 3 of the Catechism. So, what is that to us? Well, as it mentions in the prologue, and this is point three, we have a mission to evangelize and baptize. Now, I don't remember the last time that you baptized someone, so let's keep this quote in context. Jesus was addressing his apostles, which have a special role, just like priests and bishops and other consecrated people have. However, what we can take from this quote is further explained in paragraph 3 that we all have a responsibility to spread the word of God. That means you and me. All of Christ's faithful are called to hand it on from generation to generation. And don't miss the end of this sentence because it is incredibly important. It says, from generation to generation, by professing the faith, by living it in fraternal sharing, and by celebrating it in liturgy and prayer. In other words, go to church. <laughs> okay, At the very least, go to church once a week. Gather with God's people at least once a week. And if you're not going already, I invite you to attend Mass. I mean, think of it this way. God is incredibly excited to share something with you. He's got a message he wants you to hear. He's just aching to tell you this. And he's incredibly excited. So don't miss out. Your presence is required. Your presence is a testament to others as well. So your evangelization can start there. Attend Mass. 
And what really helps our cause here is wonderful because it says also that we are all seeking God. And allow me to emphasize the word all because nobody is exempt here. This means the atheist, the agnostic, the believer. We are all seeking God. And we will see that more in part one, chapter one. So for now, I'll just say this, that this is good news because it opens the door for us to evangelize anywhere. If you're wondering who to evangelize to, here it is. Everyone. And as the prologue mentions, we are all divided by sin and we're scattered. But God is calling us back to him, to his church. Let's be a part of that message to bring people back. But let's start with you first. You attend Mass. And if you're not sure how to get that message across, okay, what are we going to do about it? Well, this is a great place to start. Let's learn about what he taught, what his church teaches. And let's go out there better equipped. But are you ready now? Can you talk to someone today about God? Absolutely. You may be wondering, well, how? Well, this is the next point, which I'm a huge fan. Actually, uh, these next two points are just wonderful and beautiful. So point four, necessary adaptations. The Catechism makes it blatantly clear that our message needs to be adapted to the hearer, to the person we're talking to. So if you find yourself, let's say, to be an expert, after all this, in theology, and you can explain every detail on some of the most complicated issues of Catholic dogma, the catechism, and, and the doctrine. Well, here in paragraph 24, it says that we must adapt our message, and such indispensable adaptations are the responsibility of those who instruct the faithful. This is a big deal. And it's even made bigger when it goes on to say, Whoever teaches must become all things to all men. You have not been entrusted with only one set of souls, so you must adapt your message and your approach. So allow me here to make a quick distinction that there is a difference between watering it down and adaptations. There's no need to water it down, but we do need to adapt ourselves to how we approach other people. So think to yourself. How do I talk to a non-believer versus a believer? Or let's say a Protestant versus a Catholic. How about a child versus a young adult? When you're in front of these people, how are you going to talk to them? Well, the Catechism gives us yet one more piece of information that is just wonderful about approaching other people. And that is point five. Starts with love and ends with love. Now this is really beautiful and it paints a picture of what we're really called to do. Because I think a lot of people start thinking, well, no, if I must prove myself right and I must get that point across, that does not stem from love. Do not try to shove your idea down someone else's throat. That stems from your ego, not from love. Keep love as your beginning, your middle, and your end. Let that drive your conversation and how you address everyone. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us today. I look forward to continuing this journey with you. I will pray for you and please pray for me that we are both open and willing to do God's will. See you next time.